Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Venus's ingress into Aries. So we'll be breaking down uh, Aries 1, the first decan of Aries today. Uh, we will be talking about Venus's Kazemi with the sun, its uh, rebirth in the heart of the sun. We'll talk a little bit about the synodic cycle of the inferior planets, which include Mercury and Venus, and their cycle with the sun today. I went through and did this with the superior planets, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn most recently, but the cycle is a little bit different with Venus, so I wanted to kind of show you that today. That'll be part of our uh, teachable moment for the day. Uh, we will look at one of the fixed stars that Venus is making a conjunction with, and we'll briefly touch on the full moon um, because the moon will be in Libra when it is full on the 28th, which is a Venus-ruled sign. So... Uh, as usual, we will always do a I Ching reading at the end of the video so that we can kind of uh, distill the essence of this transit of Venus into something um, useful and something that we can learn from and, and try to figure out what to do next. So, all right, so let's dive into this here. I wanted to start off by reading you a little bit from... Uh, Julian's Oration to the Sun, translated by Thomas Taylor. It says, Venus is the temperament of the celestial gods and the friendship and union by which their harmony subsists. For as she is proximate, proximate to the sun in conjunction with whom she revolves, she fills the heavens with the best temperament, gives fertility to the earth, and is the source of perpetuity, perpetuity of generation of animals. That's a weird word. Uh, and all of this, the sovereign sun is the primary cause. But Venus concurs in her operations with this divinity, alluring our souls with pleasure and diffusing from ether delightful and incorruptible splendors on the earth, far superior to the brightest refulgence of gold. Okay, that's neat. Uh, so this is kind of uh, a quote from, again, this compendium of source texts by Charles Obert. I've been kind of leaning on that heavily lately because I think that uh, it is nice to see all those quotes in one particular place. Um, Vedius Valens talks about Venus as being desire and love. Uh, this is very close to our modern interpretation of the planet. Uh, we can also think about Venus as the planet that is trying to harmonize things and bring them together uh, bring together that which had been separated. Mars is severing things that have been brought together and separating them out and creating a new, um, I would say, differentiated point of consciousness when we're looking at Aries. Um, we're also returning something to the earth, separating from a body to rejoin the collective when we see Mars active in Scorpio. Now, Venus is uh, not very comfortable on the sign of Aries, okay? This is part of the, the issue we're going to be experiencing here. So let's take a look at our chart, and we'll break it all down. All right, so we're looking at the time frame between March the 21st, uh, which is Sunday, 10.16 a.m. Eastern Daylight, Daylight Time in my time zone here, and we'll be moving for about eight days through the first 10 degrees of Aries uh, up until March 29th about 11.17 in the morning, Eastern Daylight Time. 
Now, we just recently saw the sun ingress into Aries as well. Uh, so happy equinox, spring equinox, vernal equinox. Happy spring, right? Uh, getting a surge of energy and we're looking forward to starting new things and taking on new challenges. We're getting restless. You know, we've been cooped up all winter and throughout the pandemic and we're like, we want some movement. I know I've, I've been feeling, feeling that way a little bit. Uh, just have a lot of energy lately. Um, but I'm just trying to direct it into being creative and, and just stay in the course and doing my thing, um, which the I Ching speaks to. I always like to give a little foreshadowing in the beginning of the video of what we may uh, experience towards the end here. So Venus is in her exile. So we'll look at one chart here. And this is the Temple of Mars, as I was speaking to. And we always have a planet that's in its exile when it is opposite the temple that it rules. So here we have Venus ruling the temple of Libra. And in Aries, she's uh, visiting Mars's house, Mars's temple. And Mars can only provide that which is of its own nature, right? So with Mars here in Gemini, Mars is, is providing options, right? It's, it's asking us to make some choices right now and to say, and to eliminate some of the, the different pathways that we could, uh, we could go down. Uh, we have this kind of energy right now with Mars and Gemini, like, oh, we want to do so many different things. We, we've got all this potential energy, but uh, trying to pick a path is, is difficult. And um, I've said in the, some past videos recently that we don't have to, uh, we don't have to leave the other pathways behind permanently, but I think to do something well and to do it with skill we have to be able to focus on that one particular thing in that moment. We have this like att attraction to multitasking in modern society. And I think that it's really to our, to our detriment a, a lot of the time. Um, I know for me personally, sometimes I will be able to put on some music if it doesn't have lyrics and be able to work. But if I have like a, if like there's a TV or a radio going or other people are talking, I, I just can't focus and get into that oracular space that I need to get into to do this type of work. And I think that we, <clears throat> we live in a, a society that is filled with noise and uh, we are constantly scrolling on our phones and looking through social media. And like we have these new apps where we can literally just get on and talk to a million people. Uh, you know, around the world at once, like through these group group calls and group chats. Uh, there's always a new Zoom meeting to attend or something of that nature. And I think that right now we're probably feeling the the noise aspect of it quite quite significantly. So that's what Mars is actually providing to the planets that are visiting its temple. This like accelerated. Uh, static is <laughs> what I would say. And as I record this, Mars is hanging out on, on the fixed star Aldebaran at 10 degrees of Gemini. And that fixed star is the eye of the bull of Taurus, which was associated with the spring equinox um, in the ancient times and ancient civilizations around 3000 BCE. And uh, this, that fixed star speaks to, you know, integrity. So we may be experiencing a test of our integrity right now. Uh, especially with Mars there. Um, if you do get into some conflicts, it's, I think it's really important to, 
to um, fight fair. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't hit below the belt at this point, or you may experience a trial by fire. Now, Venus wants to create harmony, but is being provided all of these martial elements. Think about it. Venus is like moving through Aries. She just got out of Pisces, her exaltation, uh, which she's really happy in. She was given all these, these, this oceanic unifying energy where we are all just blending together in this cosmic ocean and all the boundaries between us were, were dissolved and we could just, you know, be in each other's cosmic grace, you know. And now Venus has moved into Aries and we are attracted to what we like. And we are maybe rejecting and trying to separate from what we don't like. And we are given the implements of war to try to create peace. So with Venus in this, in this decan and in this uh, sign in general, you know, Austin Coppett calls this decan the axe. So it's like Venus has give, been given an axe and said, here you go, Aphrodite. Uh, try to try to bring these two people together. <laughs> so you you can just imagine. I'm laughing because you can just imagine, you know, beautiful Aphrodite given this large battle axe. Uh, and in this case, maybe it is like uh, these really um, stinging phrases. Maybe she's got these really sarcastic words that she's like, "All right, you know, with Mars and Gemini here." You know, it's like, all right, Aphrodite, you've got to bring peace, but all you can do is argue about, you know, multiple different perspectives with people. Try to bring peace with that. <laughs> so you can imagine that she's probably like, what the hell am I going to do with this, you know? Um, so that is one thing that I wanted to, to start out with saying that Venus is, is a, a little bit debilitated right now. That doesn't mean that she can't do her thing. That doesn't mean that she can't attract in certain ways. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of Venus Aries people out there that just don't necessarily create harmony in the very, in the, uh, the normal way that we would consider harmonization within society. Sometimes they create harmony in their life by just being themselves. You know, that might be the, the best way to go with Venus in this particular decking is, Hey, you know, just, just be yourself. You don't have to make someone else wrong. That's what I've said in the the sun in Aries video, if you just shine with your bright light and say, this is who I am and I love me, uh, that could be attractive to other people too. Um, but I think that as we get to the full moon in this cycle, we are going to have to start to take other people's viewpoints into consideration. It doesn't mean that we have to necessarily agree or necessarily completely go over to their side. But we are going to have to be able to hold the duality of multiple opinions. And again, try not to let like a, a difference of opinion derail you from something that you really believe in. You can let someone else go in, you know, in their own direction without having to create a conflict around it. You know, that, that's the thing. Like just because your choice and your viewpoint and your belief system is different than someone else's, you know. You don't have to get into fights about it. This would be a great time to just uh, take some time off from social media, I think, and just focus on your the projects that want to be born uh, from from the winter that have been, you know, gaining in in potential through the hibernation season. All right, so we have uh, that's the the host Venus will be sextile her host, so we may really be wanting to take action on multiple projects 
Um, but again, I think one of the keys here is to focus on one that we really, um, we really feel passionate about and try to bring that into material form and sustain it. This was just a preview of the, the hexagram for the I Ching. We got the number 32, which was enduring. So there is a quality here that we're being told to, to pick something and work on it, you know, and don't, don't give up so easily if you, if you run into some roadblocks and then you just change course automatically because that's what Mars might be tempting us to do is if one thing isn't really working very well, we're like, oh, give up. Maybe this other path is, is better. We may be um, tied to making a number of new starts when, when we can't always start a million things at once and have them and expect them to, to sustain life. All right. So let's, uh, looking at the, the rest of the condition of, of Venus here, she's going to be moving through the terms of Jupiter from zero to six degrees, and then moving into her own terms in the very end of this decanic cycle from six to 12 degrees. Okay, so we do have some dignity for Venus um, being in her own terms, which is, which is considered a bound ruler. Uh, this is a, a curriculum setter. So Venus is, can be very self-directed when she's in her own terms and in Aries. So it's, like I said, this is something where if you're working on a, an independent project, that's probably the best, the best um, use of this energy is to figure out what really inspires you and uh, just, just get to it. You don't necessarily need someone else's permission to work on it. Just, um, just do your thing, okay? Uh, the face rulers are, are, it's a double Mars ruled Deccan, so the Mars energy is really intense in the first 10 degrees of Aries. The tarot card is the two of wands, where we do see someone looking out over their dominion, which is what it's called in Book T and Book of Toth. Uh, dominion was a, a word that I described in more depth in my son in Aries 1 video, if you want to check that out. But basically it was, uh, you know, an empire like Britain, would give uh, like country status to parts of its empire and let them be self-governed. So they were given dominion status, places like Canada, Australia, South Africa, things like that, where they were, you know, loyal to the, to the queen or to the, the essential nature of Great Britain, but they kind of did their own, did their own thing and had their own rulership and weren't necessarily beholden to each other either. So we're, we're thinking about expanding our, um, into our own independence with this deck and especially with the sun moving through this area as well. Uh, the diamond is Idoneus, uh, which is a stand-in for Hades. So we talked about Hades in the sun in Aries 1 video as well. But basically, there's just a lot of yang energy. Remember, Hades was the deity of the underworld that erupted from the earth and sprang up and like took what he wanted and you know by force and then returned to the underworld. So that is something we have to be careful of that we don't uh, use force when diplomacy is required. I think that's one of the dangers of Venus and Aries is we may think that we're going to get what we want and attract what we want by being a little bit too forceful. So that's something to consider. Um, there is a fixed star at, in the first decan of Aries called Schiat, uh, S-C-H-E-A-T, at zero degrees Aries. And we're experiencing that today on the 21st as I record this. Schiat was a... Um, fixed star in Pegasus, and it represented independent, headstrong, uh, you know, self-directed action, uh, free thinking, a search for the truth, uh, some kind of self-determined action. So all of these uh, themes that I've been talking about with Venus and Aries 1 are, you know, really animated 
by being in a conjunction with this fixed star in particular. So we may feel the need to have some really self-directed activities uh, today on the 21st. Okay. Um, the sun is co-present with Venus here. So that is one thing that we are looking at as far as the aspects we're seeing. So the sun's riding, Venus is riding with the, with the king here and is going to make that conjunction with it very soon. And what I'm going to do after I break down the, the, con the condition here is I'm going to take you through the, the um, synodic cycle of Venus because I think it's really important and it's very different than the, the synodic cycle of the superior planets. So one thing we're looking at here too is we do have sextiles between Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus and the Sun, and also sextiles between the Sun and Venus and its host Mars. Uh, so this is where we are wanting to take action, right? We have all this air, all these ideas fueling this active fire here. And we're kind of like, let's do it. Let's, let's get it. Okay. One thing I did want to point out, though, is we do have a square that will be forming over these coming weeks with the sun and then Venus uh, with Pluto. So I guess be careful when you're doing the things that you're doing, that you're not trying to abuse power. I think that could be one thing that we could run into is through our very headstrong, independent actions, it could really, um, we could overdo it. We could be a little bit in too, too intense about it. Uh, it could bring up some corruption. We could maybe use some corrupt means. We, we could be tempted to use corrupt means to get ahead. And I think we should resist that temptation, especially because Pluto will be part of this story eventually. All right. So what I wanted to do now is I wanted to take away all of the other planets here for a period of time. And I want to show you the synodic cycle of Venus and the superior, the inferior planets in general. Okay. So this, let's, we got to put Venus back in. Sorry. So here we see just Venus and the sun together. And I want to back up. I want to back up to uh, another point in this phase, because I want you to see what we're looking at here. So on the, uh, well, first, before I begin, we have a number of different phases. The, the beginning of this Venus cycle was actually at the retrograde uh, conjunction, the inferior conjunction of Venus and the sun. And that took place at 13 degrees of Gemini on the 3rd of June, 2020. Okay, so if we go to the 3rd of June, 2020, you can see that they will be conjoined one another. And I will, okay, here we go. So there is the beginning of this cycle. See how they are conjunct? You can see on my chart, or if you're listening in the podcast, uh, on my chart, Venus is in the heart of the sun. And it is red on my chart here, indicating that it is retrograde. So after it comes into the heart of the sun, what it'll do is it'll start separating. And it will get uh, outside of a 15-degree range. Okay, that's called the heliacal rising. So on June 21st, we had the heliacal rising of Venus. Um, where it became visible. What it literally means is we can see Venus again in the, in the morning sky. 
And this is the beginning of Venus's morning star phase. Okay, so on June 21st, 2020, Venus began its morning star phase at five degrees of Gemini. So you can take a look at the Gemini area of your chart and say, yeah, this was a, there was a, a new beginning in that area of, of my life. And it had some Venusian qualities to it, um, like new relationships, uh, trying to bring harmony to something. And that this, this moment on the 21st of June, 2020 was called a, a, a point of facis, an omen that is speaking louder than some other times in the cycle. So go back to your journals. Like I really encourage anybody who listens to my channel, keep a journal um, because you're going to want to go back and look at some of those journal entries to really understand astrology. If you want to become a great astrologer, you have to have a journal because you will be able to understand the cycles much better by connecting them with uh, events in your life. And keep track of some of the current events in your journal too. Not, you don't have to do everything, but if there's something really important that happens out in the world, write it down, you know? And uh, so that's one point of facets. There's, there's a number of things here. And this is, as I have been describing so far, this is similar to the cycle of the outer planets, okay? The superior planets. There is a heliacal rising in the beginning of the phase of the, of the superior planets as well with with this point but it starts to become a little different okay what we have is now around this period of time we have the direct station okay and this the thing to remember with the direct station with the with venus and mercury versus jupiter and saturn and mars is mercury and venus never get more than one or two signs away from the sun all right they have the, this thing called maximum degree of elongation. And that's the maximum degree of arc or arc of distance that they move from the sun. And for Mercury, the maximum degree of elongation is 28 degrees. And for Venus, it's 48 degrees. Now, it doesn't always get to 48 degrees, but usually it gets you know, at least to 45, between 45 and 48 degrees is the maximum distance you're going to see Venus before it starts to, you know, move back into uh, less distance between itself and the sun. So here we have the direct station, which is another point of facis on June 25th. And then Venus will keep separating until that maximum degree of elongation uh, in, in 2020, we saw this around August the 13th. So that's when th there was a, it was a very potent moment for Venus. I remember around this period of time, I was, uh, I was trying to figure out whether to sign a lease. And it was a, we'd been offered like a two-year lease at the place that we live at. And there was a lot of hemming and hawing about it. And, uh, we had kind of explored our options and all our options. And really, um, at the end of the day, we, we found that the place we were at was the best place for us. And we signed this lease and ended up feeling okay about it. And, um, but this, this was a moment where it was, it was like, you know, Venus was really at its power. We were creating this stability. Venus was in cancer. So it's interesting that I was dealing with a housing issue at this point. Um, so that's something to, to think about. Um, as part of the inferior planet cycle is that, that greatest elongation moment. Now you'll begin to see Venus as I move forward, okay, start to come closer 
to the sun. And I'll, I'm going to go through weeks here because this is it takes a little longer. You can see Venus is starting to get closer to the sun as I move forward. And eventually, Venus will get to a point where it uh, goes beneath the beams of the sun. All right. So this is happening. Uh, this will be the morning set phase. So we have the heliacal rising, the heliacal setting, but this is the morning and the evening set, is, which is a different, different thing. So here is the evening set. I'm sorry, the morning set. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm going to confuse everybody here. This is the morning setting. And if you aren't uh, able to see my screen here, Venus is still a morning star. It is, it is rising before the sun, but now it is within that 15-degree mark of separation where it will disappear under the beams of the sun. And these setting points, when Venus is going underneath the beams of the sun, are the beginning of what is called the lying hidden phase. These are points of weakness. When, when Venus is going underneath the beams, either from the morning set that we have here, setting as the morning star, or in the evening set, when it's coming back under the beams as an evening star, it will, it will be a point of weakness, okay? And I do remember this period of time too. Like this was a period of time I was having uh, some challenging relationship issues with, within my domestic sphere. Um, and we had to work really hard to move through that. We were at the, in the doldrums of winter I think everybody was getting a little tired of being together 24-7. Um, we've worked it out, but, uh, but that was a, I could, I remember this. And you know why I remember this? Because I have a journal right here that I went back and I looked at those dates and I was like, what was going on in those dates? And sure enough, there was some really challenging relationship moments that were, you know, speaking to a weakening of the harmony in a particular area of, of my life. So, we can see now, now Venus is starting to speed up, okay? As it comes into the, uh, it is going to be coming into very close proximity under the beams here, right? There's different gradations of being combust. Combust was when a planet was very close to the sun and it was said to be really weak, okay? Um, and there's different different levels of that. But we can see here Venus is moving very fast when she is direct in motion and coming into her superior conjunction. And when Venus was moving through Pisces, she was said to be in a condition called being in her chariot, which was a protection. Ancient chariots had these hoods uh, over top of them that protected the rider from the sun. So when a planet was in its domicile, exaltation, or even in its triplicity, according to some authors, it was protected from these beams of the sun. So we had some probably some nice, excuse me, Venus energy, maybe behind the scenes in our life because Venus wasn't visible, but maybe we had some nice moments with the people in our life because she was in this chariot condition. Now, as the sun moves into Aries and then subsequently Venus moves into Aries, she loses that chariot protection, which is a problem. Now Venus is being burnt up by a really powerful sun, an exalted sun, and our ability to create harmony is severely debilitated because we are so focused on creating an individual point of differentiation between us and the cosmic womb or us and 
our, the parent plant or us in some kind of situation that we want to leave through our martial initiative. Okay. Remember, Aries is a, is a sign that is, you know, using Mars to sever and separate from the collective to become an individual point of consciousness. And subsequently, that Mars in, in Scorpio is severing consciousness from the body to return the body to the earth so we can reunify with the collective. Okay. So what we're looking at here as we get to March the 26th is that Kazemi moment, the second Kazemi moment within the, infer the inferior synodic cycle. So when we have outer planets like Jupiter and Saturn, we only have one conjunction with the sun over the course of a, of a year, basically. But when we have these uh, inferior planets, Mercury and Venus, we have two. And different authors have different thoughts on this. The one that I'm leaning heavily on is Demetra George and, and, and her explanation of this in astro ancient astrology and theory and practice. And she uh, likes to think of the retrograde inferior conjunction of Venus and Mercury as the beginning of the cycle. Now, this may be in, in its own essence, some kind of beginning as well, but it may be a continuation of what we started on the 3rd of June in 2020 at the retrograde conjunction. So I want you to keep that in mind. One thought I had is that this may be sort of like the full moon of that phase, but we could also think about the moments of greatest elongation as their own like mini full moons of this cycle. So I don't know. There's many different um, points in this relationship with the sun where we are going to have chapter markers. And I think that this is an important chapter marker, March 26, 2021, six degrees of Aries, Venus Kazemi, uh, and actually, I think the actual Kazemi happens late, late fifth degree, five or six degrees of Aries, details, details. But the name of this is the superior conjunction, okay? Now, Venus is going to be uh, infused with some kind of new meaning, uh, probably having to do with a very self-directed, individualistic type of independent um, desire that we have. Now, we, like I said, we have to be careful with this Kazemi because Venus is in her exile. This is a really a point where Venus is, you know, it's easy for her to make mistakes in this area of the Zodiac. So be careful that you don't get too fixated and desire too much uh, complete independence. You, you're going to still have to work with people along the way. When a little plant is pushing through the soil, like we experience with, you know, things in Aries season in the Northern Hemisphere, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of yang energy to push through the surface and shoot the, the little stalk and it spread its leaves. But we have to keep in mind that it is simultaneously growing a root system that will keep it stable in the ground. And that root system is its support system from its community, right? Like think of a mushroom, for example. A mushroom has these like these giant, uh, vast networks of mycelium underneath the ground. And all, you know, we, we see 
the mushroom itself is just a, a small portion of miles and miles and miles of interconnected support that it's drawing from. So when we're trying to like bring something into visibility, we have to really honor that support system that is going to help us to bring that into fruition so we can draw upon something and nourish the external part of the vision or the dream. If we just try to focus on the externalization of it, we, it won't be sustainable. We won't have anything to support it. We may get to the top of the mountain and then flop over, right? You know, we may not be able to keep on going. We may not have any endurance. We may not have any friends when we're done with it. So you have to kind of balance these things out and not be a jerk to people when you're doing your own thing, right? Um, so that's one of my, my things to, to think about when we go through this. So let's finish off this cycle because I think that there are some other points that I want you to be aware of. So as we move forward, you're going to see Venus is now separating and rising after the sun. And this is still the lying hidden phase, okay? But when she gets uh, a degree of separation of 15 degrees of distance from the sun right here, okay, on March the, I'm sorry, May the 22nd, around 16 or 17 degrees of Gemini, this is the evening rise. This is the evening rise where we are able to see Venus in the evening. If we put both of these planets over here on the western horizon, you'd be able to see Venus now in the western evening sky. Okay? So, that is another moment of phosphorus. That's that's where that's the peak moment, I think, where we will be able to see the fruition of the, I don't know, the seed moment that we're going to be experiencing on uh, the 26th during our Aries 1 Kazemi. Okay. So look to that moment, set it as a as a goal on your calendar that hey, maybe what I'm working on now, maybe that's the real um flowering phase this is really interesting to me because my venus is at 16 degrees gemini <laughs> so in my 11th house so all of you have been very patient about classes and things like that uh that seems to be a pretty potent symbol of of when something of that nature may may come to fruition for me in my life and probably late may here uh, like i said there's been a lot of things going on behind the scenes that i've been trying to bring into into manifestation, but uh, there's always a natural order to all these things. And um, you got to lay a strong foundation if you want it to be sustainable over time. So keep your eyes peeled though. There's stuff coming. Um, so one of the things to think about with this evening rise phase, this moment of phosphorus is these significations really become saturated. Uh, you know, whenever you have either a direct station or a retrograde station, or this kind of uh, emerging from the beams of the sun in your own chart, you know, we're really going to be concerned with the energy of that planet. So during this May 22nd phase, we are really going to be seeing relationships taking precedence in our life and really trying to harmonize all of the different pathways and all of the different options that we have and all of the different directions that we're trying to, to choose to, to, to go in, okay? Just one last thing to finish this off. When Venus, uh, if we keep looking at Venus's movement here, Venus will reach its maximum degree of elongation 
uh, on October the 29th. So this may be a real peak in our in our cycle here. I'll go in weeks here because it's going to take me forever to keep clicking. So on October the 29th, you'll see that around that time, Venus is going to be at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. And it is separated by about 47 degrees, okay? 47, 48 degrees from the sun. And then it'll start moving back into conjunction with the sun. Eventually, we're going to have a Venus retrograde at the end of the year in Capricorn, right here. There it is on December 19th. Uh, and it will start retrograding back into um, conjunction with the sun. It will go underneath the beams at its, that, that is called the heliacal setting. That'll be a challenging time. A heliacal setting is probably somewhere around here, around the end of December, okay? Um, and then it'll go back into its Kazemi, its retrograde Kazemi, and start the process all over again on around January 8th or so, okay? So that'll be the end of the Venus cycle. And we will see some endings taking place at the end of December in regards to our relationships. But in the meantime, and I'm going to return to now, hopefully that was helpful. If you have any questions about the synodic cycle of Venus, uh, leave me a comment. I'd be happy to help you uh, parse it out. Send me an email, spencermichaud at gmail.com. I do also do tutoring work, and uh, I'm very excited about doing that. I love doing that. And I'm going to add in all the planets back in so we can see what we're looking at for just some of the final thoughts here, okay? So what we are experiencing now, again, is that Kazemi moment. We will also see on the 28th, right after the Kazemi, right after we've been infused with meaning, uh, infusing meaning behind the scenes into Venus, uh, we will see a full moon, okay, at about eight degrees of Libra. Now, this is interesting because Venus is the host of the moon or the dispositor of the moon. So this new uh, individual desire that we have, we may need some support. We may actually need to make some sacrifices within our relationship to bring it into fruition. You know, this moon is conjunct a fixed star called diadem, which was, uh, you know, the hair of a queen, an Egyptian queen, of, of, you know, she was married to this pharaoh that went to war and uh, she sacrificed her hair to Aphrodite for the safe return of uh, her husband from, from battle. And this was a, a great sacrifice and, and symbolizes devotion to a cause, a sacrifice for the collective good. So we're really going to have to be balancing out our self-directed energy and, and our need to maybe make a sacrifice to bring some balance and harmony into this because, you know, we may be a little bit off balance with this Venus and the sun being in this very self-directed type of uh, situation. Okay. So let's take a look now at the I Ching and put a bow on it. Okay. So the I Ching that I got for you was number 32. We had one changing line at the top. And here we see the trigram thunder changing to fire, okay, on top of the trigram wind or wood. 
there's two names for it, wind and wood, but they're kind of similar. It's a broken line at the bottom. So there is wood. So we've got thunder. Na 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 thunder. Do 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 thunder. We used to listen to that when I played hockey. I was a hockey player for a long time. And that's one of the songs that we listened to, Thunderstruck by ACDC. We'd come out and skate to that. And uh, you'd hear this, like, you know, screaming falsetto. You've been thunderstruck. You know, you'd get all hyped up skating around. It was, it was fun. But what we are seeing is fire above the wood or the wind in the next hexagram. So we have 32, which translates to uh, lasting, continuing, persevering, duration, moving to 50, which is called the vessel or the cauldron, uh, cosmic order. Um, yeah, so... One of the things that we're looking at with 32 is we have this thunder, this change, this awareness, and we've got this wind and wood that's very flexible. So we may be trying to make change and we're trying to stay flexible, but we're continually like trying to tr create new changes. And, that, and we, can't, we can't sustain that indefinitely if we want to bring something to fruition. But we have to recognize that this thunder and this wind are part of this greater cycle. This is one of the things that they talk about in the interpretations, that, that these things are endlessly changing, right? They're part of this big, greater cycle that is lasting, that perseveres. So we're talking about not changing your plan necessarily. If you've got a plan that you, you're getting infused with in this Kazemi, uh, you got to stick with it. Like Aries has this energy of being able to start stuff, but not necessarily finish it. So whatever you start, whatever you're feeling the impulse to do, you're going to have to work pretty hard to kind of bring it into manifestation, you know, maybe in late May. Uh, Hillary Barrett, in her translation, asked these questions. What inspiration are you making real in your daily life? How can you continue on the path even as you adapt? Who will you become by persevering in this? Okay, so make your start. Put out the, the energy to push through the soil and then get to the daily work. You know, you might have to make a, a, a forceful effort in the beginning to get started, but then that's when the real work begins is the consistency that you need to keep, keep doing something. Now, there is one changing line. It's line number six at the very top, and it says, persistent agitation brings misfortune. It is time to stop. Let go of imagined other paths and anxiety. Um, another translation talks about restlessness. We're tired of our routines. Don't start over. Build and grow from your current patterns. Okay, There may be a temptation with Venus and Aries, again, to just scrap it if it's not working. We make this start and then we lose interest. Then we make another start and we lose interest. We make another start. That's just That's no way to create success. If you, yes, make the start, but then suck it up and keep, keep bringing, keep adding energy to it. Uh, you know, this is um, changing to 50, which is called the vessel. So if we have fire on top of wood or wind, right, we have these two elements, 
you know, air can feed the fire or wood can feed the fire. Imagine we've got this wood pile, okay, these sticks, and we have this fire. You know, they, they are in the right relationship to one another, okay, to be able to cook this food, right? Let's say we're off on a camp trip. This is my, my cauldron. Okay, and we've got this fire and wood underneath, and we've got something delicious that we're cooking here. We're adding all these elements, and we're cooking something. This is this is the time when, you know, add the ingredients, um, and let it simmer. You know, that's the daily actions is is the simmering process. You can't expect something that takes an hour to cook to be done in ten minutes. You can't just like dump dump out the vessel or the cauldron if you're like this tastes like shit. <laughs> you know, it's like you're like ten minutes into cooking it, you're like, oh, it's too crunchy. I'm gonna dump it out. You know, I laugh because like that's what we do in our life. We're trying to cook something, and then we don't have the patience necessary to let it actually the, the elements actually blend together, and we dump it out. We start over again, and in this continual process of starting over and dumping it out. So Hilary Barrett says, what is the vessel for transformation? What are you beginning to cook? What will you cook? Um, we're transforming the ingredients into nourishment, into something we can consume and that will support us and bring us vitality. Yes, this may be a new beginning, but you have to set the foundation and you have to combine these elements into this beautiful meal. So think about what you're doing right now as you're collecting all the new elements at the Kazimi moment, all the ingredients for your beautiful meal. You're following the directions, you know, and adding a little of this, adding a little bit of that, the heat is set properly, and then you're stirring, and then you're letting it brew a little bit. You're paying attention to it so, so it doesn't burn or so it doesn't bubble over. You got to make little adjustments here and there to the project in your life so that it doesn't, you know, get away from you, but you got to let it simmer, and eventually it will be done, and when the timer goes off, you can taste it, and it's like, is it ready? Uh, no, it needs a little bit, needs five more minutes, needs a little bit more salt. And then you taste it again. You're like, okay, that's it. Now it's ready to be served to the world. So which, whatever you're working with in the next few weeks here, uh, be patient with the process, let it simmer, pay attention daily to your project. And uh, let's start cooking with gas. You know, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think. I love that phrase. It's like, we're cooking with gas now. Because we are, we're probably really feeling inspired to to get to work on our on our chosen um, self directed project. So, I I hope that you're doing well with those things, and I, I I'm here cheering you on from the sidelines. Let me know what you're working with and what you're starting to to simmer and what is brewing in the cauldron of your life. And let's be uh, these wonderful chefs, these five star Michelin chefs together. And, um, you know, bring something delicious to the world, okay? Like Venus, bring something worth consuming and, uh, you know, that we can reveal out into the world, uh, you know, maybe in the later, later springtime, okay? All right, everyone. That's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and for continuing to be a part of the conversation with these videos. Uh, leave me a comment. Tell me what's going on with you and your life. Uh, if you like these videos, one thing you can really do to help me out is hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new around here. Hit that notification bell uh, because I'm cranking out videos uh, 
faster than I can email my list. I don't want to blow up, blow you up with emails like every two days. So I'm only emailing my list about once a week. So if you want to get these videos in real time, the news uh, hitting the bell is the way to go. If you want to make a donation to the work that I do, I have a page on buymeacoffee.com. I am drinking a lot of Arab mate tea in my uh, Upper Peninsula Moose mug, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. That's where I got this. I love this mug. So I'm drinking the, the wisdom of the ancestors and of grandfather and grandmother energy here. That's some of the significations with moose. Cheers to all of you who have been buying me a coffee and mate. Thank you. That is a great way to buy me the gift of oracular space so that I can do this work without having material reality knocking at my door all the time. Um, I am trying to keep these videos uh, free for the most part and to uh, have a, a model that will allow the most amount of people access to my videos and your donations and support really are helping me to do that. So thank you very much and thank you for your support. So that's what I've got for you today. Hang in there, everybody. Um, you know, let's show me what you've got with your projects going forward. And I'm looking forward to sitting down at the table and enjoying a wonderful meal and seeing uh, what you have to offer to the world and um, creating some beauty together. So thanks, everyone. Be, be kind to yourself, be kind to one another, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.